Welcome to Thematic Sound Research. I'm your host, Carlos Avarenga. Today I'm joined by Maya Kutka, Executive Coach and Researcher at the London Business School. Maya, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Hi, Maya. I'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to the audience. Please tell us a bit about you and a bit about your work. Sure. So I am an executive coach and researcher. I have had a career journey, as most of us have, but I started life as an economist and I was consulting. And so I was in professional services, financial services, and then made the transition while I was at KPMG into leadership development and coaching. Um, So what I like now as an academic researcher, I supervise other people's research, is that I have both lived that sort of management leadership career myself. I coach, so I hear from leaders all the time. And then that means that when I'm getting involved in research, I want to be working on topics that I know were both important to me, um, but are also relevant to my clients and resonating today. And Maya, this particular project, what led you to this project? Was it was it an idea you all had or how did you come to pick this particular topic for your research? Yeah, well, I would say this is one of those research projects where the opportunity almost arose as a result of the pandemic. It almost created these experimental conditions for us. So Julian and I have and are still working on other research together. So we were involved in understanding leadership development, the process of leadership development. And what that meant was that we had already carried out some research. Pandemic hit and we thought, gosh, there's an incredible opportunity for some longitudinal before and after uh, data collection here. So we, we, I feel like we were almost presented with the conditions in this, uh, in this instance of having this, the, this sort of, um, you know, when, when else would you be able to so truly test the working, the virtual working experiment? Yeah. And my every research project has its challenges in design and execution. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about this particular project. Yeah, well, I would say, I mean, I, and I am involved in others, and I definitely agree that most of them do have challenges with design. I would say from a longitudinal perspective, this was one of the, the really nice projects to be involved with because we had our before and then we took our after. With any form of longitudinal data, there's always a drop off. So you'll see that we were looking at, you know, 300, 400 um, as our N initially, and then that drops off, you know, to sort of less than a third of that. But that's just really typical in longitudinal research. And compared to other things I'm involved with, this is actually really not that bad. So I would say I really enjoyed this one because it was these we were I guess we were capitalizing on the conditions um, that we were in at that time. Am I as, as the as the research findings were coming in as, as we're looking at what you were going to write about, what things intrigued you or stood out to you about the findings, especially in this sort of very novel situation as you mentioned? Yeah, I think I, I was I was thinking about, you know, what has been novel and surprising. I would say in some ways, because I am constantly having conversations with leaders and I was hearing a lot during this pandemic period about what was happening as a result of the working conditions. What's been really helpful with this research is being able to put some structure on it, drawing on the theory, but then also getting the empirics to back it up. So when I'm hearing my clients saying that they're finding it stressful and exhausting, now I understand that there is a cognitive element you know to the work there is a task-based element there is a people-based element some of these are really great in the virtual environment there's less interruptions you're you're able in some ways to do much more demanding cognitive work 
But a lot of the feedback processes, a lot of the people aspects, these are the things that have been squeezed unless we're very intentional about them, unless we almost redesign our job spec to very intentionally build in things that before we used to take for granted. So I think what's been so helpful with the research is being able to put some real structure around that so that when I'm hearing all of these different challenges people are facing, it's like, okay, this is this is what the theory would suggest and this is how the, the empirics have also supported it. And now we can make sense of your experience and then also optimize going forward. Am I, what were you thinking? When you think about the the research, what are the key takeaways for you as one of the authors from the work? Yeah, so when I now talk about this research, what I say is often I think we can be quite polarizing with discussions around hybrid working and you know virtual working. It's good, it's bad. This is the decision made for uh, for this company. It's it's going to fail for these reasons. Actually, both have great strengths. Both have levers of influence things that you can do in a virtual environment that you can't do in a on in a face-to-face environment. So what you really need to do is optimize for those. So be aware of those and optimize for them. So for example, virtually, you've got so much freedom in terms of how and when you choose to do your work. You can really match that to your lifestyle, your your the way your brain works. That's a great freedom and an autonomy. You know, in the office, on the other hand, all of that interpersonal uh, interaction is great for brainstorming and it's great for relationship building. It's great for learning, social learning. So how do you really optimize for the strengths of both environments in, in quite a structured way? That, that That's what I would take away from it. There are a couple of really nice tables in the research, which, you know, I really want to share more widely. Uh, one which kind of shows the two different, um, the quadrants, uh, like the structure that you might now think about. So, you know, in a virtual environment, if you're being task-based, it can be easy to be quite transactional, like you might be with a contractor. If you want to get to that sort of nirvana where you are also taking care of your people and inspiring and enabling, you're probably going to reach a place where you are inspiring and enabling your people. You're not going to be able to do the kind of support the kind of mentoring and and, uh, coaching that you would do in an in-person environment. So just thinking through what your environment is and therefore what the behaviors that are going to be, you know, that are going to really work in that environment, I think is is really helpful. And there's another table um, which just takes you through some of the key activities that we do in our working day and just highlights based on the research, the interviews, the data points, what are the strengths and what are the weaknesses uh, in a both a virtual and online environment? So I think that's a really useful thing to think through when you're then designing your your working ways. By our, our audience are, are largely business executives. Tomorrow you're in that role. What do you do differently as a leader based on what you've learned as a researcher? Yeah, well, I think there is a real gap um, when it comes to, you know, from an operational perspective, I feel like there's a real gap in thinking about how we get people to do their best work. So we talk a lot about, you know, how to motivate and inspire people. But how do you create the conditions for the best cognitive work, the best brainstorming, the best teamwork? And so what I would want to do is sit down and think about these key tasks because we know what these are now. We've categorized these in the research and say, okay, look, these are the dominant types of work that are taking place. So how do we now structure our time in the online world and 
face to face to really make the most of those different types of work and actually do that strategic design planning. It's not going to be perfect and it needs to be iterated. And that's fine. That's part of the feedback process. But I often think that we allow it to just sort of happen. We just allow the working day, the schedule, the calendar, the meetings to just sort of happen. We find a convenient slot for this meeting and that's how it works. There's not very much design going on. So I would want to invest that time up front in design and then revisit that on a regular basis. Right, just a quick follow up. It sounds like you're saying there's some design component, which is figuring out what's the right environment for some of the categories of tasks that you that you talk about in the paper. Is that what you're saying? That maybe that's something that we could do a little better in the future? Yes, yes, exactly. And so and this is why there is no right or wrong. There is just what is right for your team and the people within it. And it may change. So there may be a phase of work where there is a certain amount of there's a heavy amount of teamwork and collaboration. And there may need to be, you know, some sort of a guidance there to say, actually, this is the period where we really need people in the office really collaborating heavily. And actually, now we're going back to some real key delivery time where we need you to be focused. And this just makes me think of the reason why I've always been interested in this topic from my my own working life is that I was lucky enough in my early years at work to have a very enlightened boss. And I remember saying to him, because he knew I was hugely motivated uh, as an individual, hugely accountable for my work. And I said to him, look, I'm not going to come in um, tomorrow because I'm going to be working on my report. As it happened, I decided that I needed to come in because something was going on. And he came in and he saw me talking, chatting away to a colleague. And he said, he said to me, thought you were going to stay at home and not be distracted. And, you know, he, he knew that I was getting going to be distracted at work. And he knew that the best way for him to get his results was going to be by me, you know, working from home. And that was in, you know, whatever, 2000, the sort of early 2000s. And that shaped the way that I chose to then lead my teams going forward. And that, so, yeah, just wanted to relay that little anecdote. Great. Thank you, Maya. And uh, last question for you then. Current research, future research you have planned, anything you want to share with the audience? Yeah, quite a few different things, actually. So building on this whole virtual work thing, I've then become really interested in digital well-being and um, the social media and how we use that. Because one aspect of the virtual world is how do you create serendipity? How do you create the sort of water cooler moments, the things that happen at networking events? Social media can be a great venue for that, but it can also provoke, you know, create a lot of overwhelm and a whole set of mental health issues. So I've, from positive psychology, perspective really looked into that and the other one that my my research student is my supervisee is looking into right now is burnout and workaholism so the relationship between those and having a calling because we often talk about you know being passionate and motivated and you know really dedicated to our work and all those great things but actually how does that interact with workaholism and burnout because we know that those are huge issues today as well in the working world so some really interesting stuff yeah so it's good, Maya. We'll look forward to seeing that when it's ready. Thank you for your time today. I appreciate taking a moment to speak with us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting. Mm-hmm.